count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I realized what this was. Someone pointed this out to me last week. It is Matthew McConaughey. It's his tagline for everything. It's his signature. I didn't know this. It was coming out of my subconscious last week. I just said it. But now I realized it was Matthew McConaughey and my subconscious playing tricks on me. Going into this microphone, which in turn is going out into the world into your ears. What a magic time that we live in. Fun fact, since 1993 to 2017, I'm not reading this off a screen by the way, Matthew McConaughey has said this in every movie that he's been in. All right, all right, all right. And in Dazed and Confused, 93, that was the first line in in that movie for him. And that was also the first scene that he had ever done in a large, big-scale production. Way to hit it out of the park for the ages, Matthew McConaughey. This episode does not feature Matthew McConaughey in any direct way, aside from this. Some stuff's been going on in my world. I've been out on the road. Um, between Thursday and Saturday, I spent 25 hours in a van. Drove, oh uh, yeah, that's a third of the time. 72 hours, 25, yes, nuts. Um, drove from Nashville to Columbus, Ohio, then to Evanston, Illinois, then back to Nashville, then to Paducah, Kentucky. Uh, drove through the night from uh, Evanston, which is Chicago, basically. In flash floods, y'all, in a in a, a van that was once used to transport senior citizens from a Presbyterian church to their homes in Knoxville, Tennessee. This van is now mine. Bought it in cash. Um, and let me just talk about this for a second, just for a second. Um, that's literally crazy. Spending 25 hours in a van out of out of uh, three days. Um, but I love doing what I do, and that's what I want to j- just suggest that. That's the thing to pursue in life, because likely what you love doing is the thing that you're going to love being bad at, and the thing you love getting better at, and the thing that you're only going to compete with yourself with. Um, I I don't I eat vegan when I'm on the road, mostly, uh, so I find myself just doing these eight-hour drives, going off on garbanzo beans, and listening to uh, country music, jam band music, and, 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 and other things, and I've realized this is crazy. Uh, find what you love and let it kill you. As Charles Bukowski said. That's my spiel on that. Oh, but I want to thank everyone who came out to the shows as well. The 84 people in Evanston who came out in the flash flood warning of a night on Friday. And the people in Columbus, Ohio. And people with Nitty Gritty Dirt Band on Saturday in Paducah, Kentucky. Love y'all. Today's guest is Tyler Bryant of Tyler Bryant in the Shakedown. Tyler comes from Honey Grove, Texas, and he's a certified Texan. If y'all have yet to experience the Texan experience, Tyler Bryant will provide it for you, as he will audaciously and gracefully provide a soul service of rock and roll that comes straight from his heart uh, and Stratocasters. I saw Tyler back in 2008 for the first time, 
it was the first show I'd ever seen that was the Motley Crue show. And he was opening up for Joe Bonamassa, which according to Joe, was the only show ever he's had a full band open up for him. Uh, I saw Tyler do a ripping cover of a Jimi Hendrix song, and he had this pink Stratocaster, and he broke the whammy bar, I remember, and then he threw it at somebody. And I don't know how well received that was. But at the time, that was just Tyler Bryant, and this was 11 years ago. Let's talk about it now. We are at three full-length albums later with Tyler Bryant and The Shakedown, two EPs, and they're opening up for Guns N' Roses, ACDC, uh, Tom Petty, Rest in Peace, and they're doing co-headlining dates with Stone Temple Pilots, and, and they're doing shows with Blackberry Smoke, and then they're selling out their own shows at, at 500-plus ticket venues, and people get tattoos of his lyrics on their thighs, and people cover his guitar solos, and he's awesome. He really is. He's a guy who's out there building it with his fans, for his fans, all by himself. And that's the way to be a boss. Tyler Bryant talks about how to be a boss. Tyler Bryant also talks about how to stay inspired, how to, how to create songs, and how to get into a groove of creation. Another thing that we talked about that was very fascinating is like, coming home from the road and finding means to create and keep the gears going but in ways that might not be music because creativity satisfies all the muses simultaneously but let's also keep in mind that Tyler has a Mac that has like over 2,000 unreleased songs that he's made uh, so the dude is just kind of a machine in his own way which are my favorite kinds of machines favorite kinds of people operate on that on that plane he truly is a gifted person, and he just kind of follows what feels right. He has that strong compass, and I very heavily relate to that and admire that. Also, we're going to talk about Truth and Lies, which is the new full length that they just dropped very, very recently in are out touring and promoting and living and growing right now. Tyler Bryant, everyone. In Brooklyn. Where in Brooklyn? This place called Studio G. So, dude, it's it was sick. It was such a great studio. Um, but the producer is this guy Joel Hamilton. Yeah, man. Um, and uh, how'd that come about? We we were traveling. Um, we were we were on the Clutch tour, and the A and R guy from the record label that we signed with. The Snake Farm. Yeah, we, yeah, we did a license deal with them, and um, okay. Yeah, and so he had recommended us meet with this guy he said this guy's like whenever i talk to him and then i talk to you you have a lot of the same ideas on music and how recording should be approached and <clears throat> that kind of stuff so we went and had lunch and it was just like immediate friends whoa and so we talked to a couple other producers and he was the most excited about us and we were also like mutually excited about working with him so we just did it that's kind of been a big thing i've noticed with people you surround yourself with it's like you really look for people who believe in what you do, yeah. and recognize your strengths. Well, yeah, it's one thing to, as an artist, be excited about working with somebody. But if it's not mutual, then you're not going to get everything that that person has to offer if they're not excited about working with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because that's been a thing, like, say I could I could love Jay Joyce's production, but Jay Joyce could think that we're the worst band in the world. Mm. Um, which, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what Jay Joyce thinks of us, but... <laughs> If he did think that we were the worst band in the world, he might not be the best guy to produce our band, unless we also hated ourselves. <laughs> God, which I, I hope three records in you don't. Yeah, I know. If you hate yourself after three records, start a new band. 
That's you know? really optimistic is that you would go and start a new band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do something different. Man, that's cool. How many songs are on this album? We cut 14 and we kept 13. Did so you, who what was the writing process? Was it Oh man. You, uh, yeah, it was it's a little bit of everything. There's some songs that I wrote like by myself years ago. There's some songs that I wrote by myself in the last year. There's some songs that Graham and I wrote, some okay. songs that Caleb uh, and I wrote, some songs that we wrote as a band. Whoa. We started with 55 demos, like fully produced, written demos. And that you do at your place, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I live in my home studio. You live in your home studio. Every time I've been to your house, it um, there's new gear, there's yeah. new songs, and you put in the hours there. Like so consistently, yeah. What you do, yeah. I put in. I definitely put in. Put in the the hours and the whole the whole band did. It wasn't just me. Like, um, you know, we and before we went to Brooklyn, we picked our favorite. I think we narrowed it down to twenty seven. And that was all mutual. You all decided which one. We all we took fifty five down to twenty seven, and then we didn't really wow. talk about it again. And we just as we were recording, we're like, let's do this one, and we kind of just let the feelings guide us because you can talk about like oh well, that one will be great but then like when you start playing it it either sinks or swims and so if we started something and it wasn't happening it's like all right let's not get bogged down let's move on to this one because we we had rehearsed and learned most of the songs 27 songs yeah. that's insane yeah. what's the process for that just get in the basement just get in the basement and arguing with each other about what would be cool and oh, you know like surely there's some form of like a leadership though like surely you're the guy who has the last call no there's no last call we with our band it's we we wow we try to all agree and if we can't all agree then we don't do it i mean obviously when it comes to like artwork and stuff like that if three of the four guys feel one way and there's like one you know, or same thing with like mixed tweaks if it's like, mm. you know, but that's also how we've kept the same lineup together for so long is we listen to each other and we respect each other first and foremost. Because if you, if it's like, yeah, all these guys feel this way, but I feel this way. So we're going to do what I want. Then it doesn't work. It's invalid at that point. Yeah. Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're just, a, we're a team, you know? And so picking songs was that way. And, but we also, we also just talk so much trash to each other, like with mixed tweaks and stuff. If I had, if I was like, guys, the claps are ridiculously loud in this song. And then it becomes like a joke for a week of people sending me like clap emojis or like, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Like, it's beautiful. It's yeah. You can't be too uh, sensitive in the shakedown. Whoa, my man. Are you writing songs right now, even on your time off? You know, let me tell you what I've been doing was, is I have been, um, you just got engaged, right? Not to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. So I your just life's kind of changing in that sense. Yeah, my life is definitely changing, which is awesome. It's great. Okay. Um, nice. My fiance is is on the road right mm -hmm. now, so she's out doing her thing and rocking. And I have like since we finished the record, I came home and I and I sat down to write, and I was like, I just don't feel like doing this right now. I feel like the creative pipes just got like a good cleaning, mm -hmm. and it was like. Yeah, I'm just going to not write songs for a minute because for the last since honestly since before we were even finished with our last album, I've been just writing and writing and writing. And so I as soon as we got home, I I took five songs from the new record and I made an acoustic EP of it. What? Cuz I needed some somewhere to put my energy. Okay. So I did that and then I uh then I started watching like final cut tutorials and i've been like getting into video editing to just keep keep 
the creativity happening. So I've been making like, I've made two lyric videos for songs from the new album so far, and I ordered some new like lenses and stuff to just play around with videos. That's wild. It's pretty fun. Do you, you try do to... crazy videos? You're always like on the moon or like with cattle or something like crazy, or, or at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's, amazing, dude. It's hard to get cattle up to the moon. It's pretty expensive. How do yeah? You wouldn't you wouldn't believe it. You, yeah, Southwest. I'm sure that there's probably a lot of uh, a lot of moving pieces there. It's really simple. It's my father and I my father and i really literally that simple we go into my childhood bedroom that where everything started that's so that's manifested into itself today it all started in there wow and we have where my bedroom was where my bed was where my computer desk was we basically now have a green screen that's the length of the wall that's amazing and it's ironed out and it's steamed out and it's really efficient like it's streamlined like i'm sure like how your studio is like everything you can just turn it on it's ready to go yeah that's so amazing. It's so fun. Yeah. And I'll just sit down with some ideas, and, like, I have a board that I use just for that situation. Just for like, shredding, yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole thing now. It's, like, which you do a really great job of. It was, like, the skill of being able to shred a guitar. It's, like, doing that on stage and doing that in your own show is a completely different sentiment than doing it on Instagram. Yeah. For some reason, it comes off way differently. Totally. I don't Yeah, you have you have a minute, you know, and there's not, like... The thing about doing it, and you know this just as well as anyone, but like doing it in a show, you like, or even doing it in a song, the whole song is leading up to, you know, whatever happens, whether it be a vocal moment or a sh- like a guitar solo moment. And so that, of course, is going to be shaped by this. But like when I sit down to make a video, sometimes I'm like, huh, what am I going to play? And then a lot of times it's, that's why I started making backing tracks, like just to maybe inspire something. To play to, you gotta and, have, and then something. half of them turn into songs. So that like that just becomes half because Caleb will, the drummer in the band will will listen to some of those or send me some of my Instagram videos and be like, dude, we should write this riff. That's cool because it's all improv, you know. You just sit down in, in the basement. I'm assuming just early in the morning. Yeah, it's normally in the morning. Yeah. Do you have a routine that you do? Do you wake up at a certain time? Do you, no. do, you do a certain thing? No, no routine. I mean. No, as far as like waking up, but like I normally wake up pretty early and it, it it's always like coffee and music. I love to just wake up and most of the time like just go straight down, like not even get dressed, just go straight down to the studio with my coffee and rock. And some, some days it'll be like six in the afternoon, I mean six in the evening and I'll be like, I haven't even put on a shirt yet. I'm just down here. I've been down here rocking. I, have, I haven't eaten. I have to, so I have to like discipline myself because I can, I can get lost in the uh, the vortex. God, isn't that so fruitful, though? Yeah, it's awesome. And I'll do that for my, – my routine is normally I'll do that for three days, just hard – like hardcore rocking, writing, creating, watching mix tutorials, learning how to make sounds, and then – Oh, right, totally. Just like geeking out by myself, you know, playing with, with drum loops, playing with – you're writing you know, by yourself. Yeah, just whatever, making making stuff up, and then um, and then I'll take like two days and I won't go down. I won't go down there at all because I'll be I'll be fried. Whoa, I like that idea of frying yourself out and taking time. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot, of, I think a lot of people, like my fiance, for example, she likes to work until a certain point so she doesn't get crispy and then take 
take some time and then come back the next day and work to a certain point. And I think I'm most productive when I just go and go and go and go. Because if I get in a zone, I can't stop. Like it'll, I don't know if this happens to you, but like if I'm really excited about a song or a riff or something, then I won't be able to sleep. It'll be like, I'll catch myself like playing air drums in my bed, like in the middle of the night. That's insane. To where I'll have to get up and go back down. Like I can't have things unfinished. Uh, right. Is that, does that even manifest itself like into the into the quality of the demo? Oh, dude, the the demos are are ridiculous. But like most of the time. So like, let's say we have six hours or something. We're looking at we're looking at like a window of time, and it's from start to finish. Like you wake up, you have the coffee, you have no idea. And then the song idea happens. Is most of the time involved in writing the song, or is it like in the demo? Is it just fucking around, getting the right sounds? Dude, it's all of it. It's like one thing. Sometimes it like sometimes it's getting a guitar sound where you're messing around, thinking you're gonna do an Instagram video and then go have lunch. And the next thing you know, you've started humming something. And the next thing you know, you've got words. And hmm. then before you know it, it's you yeah. know six o'clock and you've got a demo. And then. Okay, now now I'm gonna go eat and go to the store and get some grub and maybe I'll take a shower because I'm I I don't smell good and then I'm gonna man, I'm gonna mix this sucker. Huh? It's gonna sound huge, you know. And then yes. and then you send it out and then you send and then you're like, hold on, I'm gonna do a better mix. I heard something and then th- your you know your bandmates are like, dude, you've sent four versions. That's so it's I I just really go far, but it also um, as far as like overdoing demos but you know like on the last record a lot of the demo tracks ended up making the album because it's like why would we redo that and you know the the way the way like home recording technology has gotten like you can make money off that stuff like you can like i've had demos that i've made in my basement get on television commercials get get in like tv shows and you're going yeah, I was literally just throwing paint at a wall, and then something was pretty. That's beautiful. So it's kind of cool. Like I, I just like the possibility of I'm doing this to satisfy my own, you know, create creative like desire, and then all of a sudden, oh, maybe it will have life. Maybe it won't. But the I think the whole point of like being creative is just showing up and doing the work. Oh, that's what Woody Allen says. It's yeah, like half the job is just showing up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I totally I totally buy into that theory. Because if you don't show up, you know, we can, that's like we could sit and talk about writing a song, but if we don't like actually like sit down and do it, there's not going to be a song. We're not going to have a song. It's the classic <laughs> like Nashville thing. It's like uh, for anyone who's like doesn't live in Nashville, there's Red Door, which is like the Midtown thing. And then there's all the East Side hangs. And it all the time, whenever you're there, you run into the same people. It's like, man, what have you been doing? It's well, you know, I've been touring, I've been writing, and it's like, yeah. well, are you really though? Yeah. It's like you put out your your last record was three years ago. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. it should be a constant flow. Totally. At least trying new things. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, I think that was probably one of the things that was frustrating with for us is whenever because we we've had a we're on our. Your third full length, third or fourth record deal, and we're on our. This what? is our. Yeah, we've had, we've done, and so a lot of times we were writing and writing and writing, and no, nothing was coming out because record labels, <laughs> who are of the mindset of, you release one thing, 
and then you wait 80 years and you release another thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> or you release one EP and then you wait 80 years and release one single. And we just kind of like, which is why I'm really happy with the situation we're in now with um, Spine Farm slash Snake Farm because we can do we can do more like we can we're like the last record they put out we recorded most of it in my home studio right the, i was gonna mention self-titled that. album and so that was a trip I, I don't know if i would really want to do that again it was that was like an unhealthy i feel like an unhealthy endeavor is right in your home man yeah it's, it's like an right alcoholic there. living in a bar right just going way too i was having crossfade nightmares and like just getting way too deep into like editing and not, not editing, but just like going through and cleaning up files and making sure that that's the thing. It's you're really you have a really polished sound on the on the music you release. Yeah, but no. it's polished in certain ways. Yeah, not this new, this new record is dangerous sounding. In what way, man? Because like the the Wild Child album, absolutely dangerous, recorded to tape. Yeah, fully a dangerous thing. Yeah, the last record, absolutely, but in a different way. Different. The, the last record was in a different way. I feel like the last record was had a little bit. The edge was not so much in the um, in the performance as much as it was like in the lyrics and melodies and some of the chord choices. You know, we were getting more into like the half step, like frictiony type of chords, and and this record is just just dangerous all around. I think the like the producer Joel. Because I don't I don't know how you are whenever you do solos on an album, but like I, I like to do like fifty. Oh yeah. You know, I like to just go spar with it. Go for it. Because I wanna play I want I normally start off with something that and I'd be curious to know what your what your uh, method is, but I normally start off with like kind of like some comfort zone licks. Mm-hmm. Do you even have those? Because you like you're such a freaky player. Like do you just like go into like another dimension when you play? Or do you do you ever catch yourself playing like the same sort of like you're like this oh, is like my go to lick yeah you have those I think it's all about breaking through um, reflexive like motors motor skills and right. and 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 um, shooting from the hip stuff mm-hmm. so like of course right and like especially live yeah like especially of live. course yeah um which is something I want to mention I want to ask you about later but totally man I think it all just depends on the song. Like I'm working on some songs right now, and there's there were two songs where it was a hundred percent like I want to get this in there because I want it to say this and I want it to feel this way. Yeah, you know. But then there's this one straight up like honky tonk, you know, Sturgill Simpson style, uh, country funk song, and that's right in my wheelhouse of like what I can improvise in. Yeah. So I can kind of like just kind of scat and throw paint at the wall. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be fruitful. It'll yeah. sound cool. Yeah. So I think it depends on. On yeah. that, on, on the situation. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Because there's some songs where, like, I mean, it all it all starts with improvising. Because if I if it, or it starts with me like humming something, like, and a lot of times I'll record the solo that I that I'm dreaming of with my mouth, like, and ridiculous. I'm like, and then I'm like, how can I do this? And so then it's like figuring out whether it be with like pedals or something where I'm like, beautiful. Yeah, it's like, oh wait, I have to actually like detune my string, and then I don't know. I like to just like sing stuff and then try to play it, and beautiful. Uh, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But it's like a good jump off point for me. And uh, but yeah, so I like to do like 
40 or 50 takes, but this producer. Are you by yourself too? Is it like just you and Joel or is the whole band there? The whole band's normally there. Like whenever we did the last, the record uh, where we did it at my house, mm-hmm. the band would take, they'd be like, all right, Tyler's going to do guitars. We're leaving. And I could just sit there for as long. And that was my favorite part was yeah. being alone and being able to, to do this like solos, like spend the time and, and work out my ideas. Um, cause, and then what I like to do is play a bunch of takes, get a comp that I like and then, and then play it totally and then beat it. Yes. <laughs> That's the best one. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's like, okay, this is passable. This is, it, this excites me, but now I, now I gotta beat it. How about vocals? Vocals. I, it's, it's interesting because like everything that we did on the last record, which vocals I did like, I do probably like ten takes a song and then comp it. Mm-hmm. And this record, it was um, we did all the vocals and BGVs for the whole record in three days for thirteen songs. So Whoa. it was really fast. Like there's a couple songs on the record where it was like you know two or three takes. And then Whoa. luckily, this is I love I love comping my vocals. Like I'm so OCD. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were talking about the green screen, like it's steamed and perfect. Yes. I love to uh, get in there and like clean up files and make sure that like you flex in the time on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, but that that's the thing is Joel. um, Like when it came to solos and and fixing things, he Mm -hmm. was like, "No, man." Like, he's like, "I will, I will fight you any day, you robot trying to come after the humanity." No, no. And so there were times where I'd be like, "Hey, man!" Like there was a a solo on what's more than likely going to be the outro solo on the album. And uh, I did a take, and and he was excited and shook my hand after the take, and I said that, yeah, that's cool, yeah, it's cool. Give me another one. He's like, fuck off, whoa. And I was like, no, give me one more. He and he and I saw him close the session, and it's like, but that's kind of what you want a producer for is to go, no, the perspective. I have perspective on this, whoa. and that that was a moment, and we're moving on. And then I've going back fresh. I was like, oh, I love that. I'm glad I didn't mess with it. Because you can overdo stuff, you know? Absolutely, especially if you're a hyper-thinker and are hyper-talented and driven such as you are at what you do. I could see how it could be like an endless rabbit hole. You a hyper-thinker? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like constantly, like as like while we're in, in the recording process, I'm making notes and like... Yes. Like lyric tweaks and... Uh, you know, I really Dude, you're, you're you're tweaking lyrics in the studio. Oh, yeah. I was doing the same thing. I'm tweaking everything until it's done, until it's mastered. I'm tweaking, and then I'm still like, it's like until it's released, I'm tweaking. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, and that I think that's why why I needed to make the acoustic EP was to just have something to to tweak on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna release that? Is that gonna be a thing? Yeah, for the I fans? mean, I hope I hope so. You know, we um. I just I I thought it would be cool because the the thing about I mean you you're kind of doing it with like your cosmic country thing you're skirting between like I mean I would like to hear how you you explain it but like this sort of like jam thing yeah. more of like a roots thing like yeah. the psychedelic you you know you're kind of bouncing between genres mm-hmm. and and um with the songs that we chose on this record there are some songs that skew um more blues, some songs that skew more hard rock. Mm-hmm. And so we went and had one of these meetings with our team and um and I and I got so frustrated mm. because it was like 
I think oftentimes people will want to put you in a box mm. so that they can understand what you are. Um, but there's not like a cosmic country radio station or there's not like a, a hard rock blues punk slash acoustic songs slash whatever yeah. radio station. So it's like, okay, well take these songs to active rock or whatever. And then take the same song. Let me do the same song on a resonator and it'll work for the, our blues crowd because it's that there, there's really not this big like difference. It's just in the, in the presentation. So it was, it was a, a fun challenge for me to take some of these songs that definitely skew more rock and roll and do them completely stripped back with just a guitar and, and see how it kind of shook out. That's a great thing too. It's like <clears throat> my thing, like I've been home since December and it's March right now. So it's been like three months and I've been co-writing with people every mm -hmm. day to try to experiment what that energy is like. Yeah. And like I'll sit down with the songs a couple days after and it's always with an acoustic guitar, even if, like, the demo was done with, like, you know, like, machine on yeah. drums. Yeah. And then, like, alchemy for, like, a synth sound or something. Yeah. And it's, like, if it, if it, if it feels right on an acoustic guitar, yeah. then it, it has legs. That's a, that was a Petty um, method. Petty was, like, yeah, if you can He's one of your heroes, right? He's, yeah, like, your guy. He is my favorite. Yeah. You got to open, you got to play a bill with Petty. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I got a t-shirt to prove it. <laughs> that's awesome yeah i was that's so excited petty. but it was actually a yeah it was a uh a weird day and because we we were on tour with guns and roses um and it was way we had to go way out of the way to do the show it was in hyde park so we had to like leave the tour bus in somewhere in germany or something out of loves yeah yeah no it whatever the uh truck stops are over there i can't remember what what is it what they're called but um we left it at a truck stop somewhere, and and then we got in a van and drove because the driver had to to sleep, and so we we took the this van to Hyde Park, played on the the bill with Petty, but then we had to leave directly after to get back to the bus to get to Vienna, Austria, to play with Guns N' Roses, like directly after. Whoa. So within twenty four hours, we got to play on a bill with Petty and and Guns. But it was so difficult to leave knowing that we were missing a petty show. Especially towards it being the end of his, of his I know. time. I saw him I saw him twice on that tour though, mm -hmm. which was epic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I've I've gone out of my way to, to catch him on, you know, every tour for the you know, since I was seventeen. Whoa, and how old are you now? Twenty seven? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. That's so, insane. Yeah, what I mean the first about? time first time. Huh. It was right when I moved to Nashville and, and Petty came through and I remember I, I spent like almost 400 bucks. It was basically rent on uh, two tickets and Caleb and I went. And, oh. I, and I have videos of us just like geeking out. And uh, yeah, we've, we've just had so, so many great memories. 11 years? Yeah. Man, and Caleb was the first guy you played music with in Nashville, right? Yeah, man. I met him when I was 17. And... Uh, We've been playing together ever since. That's insane, dude. I know, man. And you know, I uh, I think it's awesome that when you find somebody loyal like that, because Caleb is such a freaky drummer. He's so talented, monstrous, monstrous. Um, he's a huge part of the sound. Yeah, that I've always credited to your shows that I've seen. It's like, of yeah. course, it's it's Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, and that's a real thing. But 
man, like there's so much subconscious entertainment and fireworks that happens when Caleb's playing. Dude, he's a he's a drumming frontman. He's insane. Oh wow, that's a great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. that guy's been offered so many gigs. You know, I mean, of course, I know that like at one point need to breathe hit him up. Like there's been, wow. there have been a lot of bands that have hit him up, and he could he could have made probably exponentially more money going with a lot of them. And uh, and he didn't do it. No, because we like we wow we're buds, you know, and we're we're in this together. We are, you know, partners in this band. Was that ever a conversation, or was it kind of something that just naturally formed in a real way? It it all naturally formed in a real way because originally it was just you know Tyler Bryant band or whatever, which yeah. just sounds lame as can be too. <laughs> you had the Blues Buddies though, right? <laughs> yeah, the Blues Buddies was the was the jam. Too. That honestly should be like twenty twenty. Yeah, Blues Buddies reunion. I know, man. I know we should do. Uh, I still have a bunch of uh, Mr. Twitty's old songs. The guy, my mentor. Yes. You know, because he's not around anymore. But like, he would do this thing. I think a lot of blues guys did this where. He'd be like, this is a song I wrote called Personal Manager. And then he would play like the classic blues song, Personal Manager. And I'd be like, you didn't write that song. And he'd be like, no, I changed this line. Oh. And I'd be like, oh, that's how it works. Like you can change the line and then you wrote it. I um, love that. I do too. I think, you know, this is this song I wrote called Won't Back Down. And then you, just, <laughs> you can stand me up at the gates of Waffle House and I won't back down <laughs> or whatever. Ooh, Waffle House. That'd be a tough one to back down from. Yeah. Do they have those in Germany? I guess not. No, I don't think so. Damn. Yeah, but yeah, that back to what we were talking about. That was a petty thing that I've that I've heard him say. Of if you can't play it on an acoustic guitar, it's not much of a song. Whoa. Something that not a direct quote, but something like that. Man, that's heavy. Yeah, that's a real thing. Totally. What do you think about like, man? Like we've we've been in the same circles for for years now, since like. Probably like I think like 2011 or something. I think was the first time we met because I was sitting down and thinking about this. But my father and I had seen you play in 2009, which was like right when I started playing guitar. Okay. And we saw you open up for Bonamassa at T-Pack. You were there when the when the sound system got cut off. Yeah, dude. See, I was a little kid. I that that couldn't even have passed through my dream vision that I had. Yeah. You know, because wow. like. You know, you did that whole thing where it's like you walk up to the stage and you see the pedal board. You're like, whoa, that's not Joe's board. Because, like, of course I knew what Joe's board was. And it's like, who's going to come out here and play? Because there's obviously another thing that's about to happen. And, dude, I remember it's like the same entrance that you still make today, which is like low E string, loud. And it's like you go out there and you just, like, let them have it for a second. You take them with you. Yeah. Right? And then, then the show commences. And it's like the same style, like. Yeah, seeing like see how seeing it evolve over the past decade, like the seeds were still there. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. That's actually something we've been arguing about within our band is because because I think it's so easy and exciting to just go out and hit a big note. Yeah, like an E chord or an A chord or whatever it is. Yeah, just boom, we're here. Yeah, and so we've been experimenting with not doing that, which totally trips me up, man. Totally. Because I like I'm a creature of habit. And and so Indeed. there are certain things like it's almost like ritualistic to like walk out on on stage and hit a big note and it's like you're amping yourself up, here I am. Yeah. So to not do that, it's interesting. It's kind of fun. Whoa. We've, we've been trying to just change up to break routines because for so long, like 
especially like doing su- support slots. Like I think the ACDC tour, we like got a set that worked for that. When you have 30 minutes, it's like you can't. It's no time. There's no time to <clears throat> have a moment that doesn't work. Totally. And so like we, we kind of perfected a set, you know, in our minds. We're like, this set works. We get people like we're getting the reaction that we want. And, and oh, wow. So, and so it was easy to, like, get kind of caught in a, like, you know, feedback loop of this is what we do. We walk on stage and we hit this note. And and so now we're, like, deconstructing all of that. Like, let's do a different set list every night. Let's, like, let's get the danger in it. Like, let's let's play songs we never played. Let's do this. So, Dude, that was something I really thought would have been a valid thing to ask you because, like, I've been going to see you play shows for years and it's like i'm just now getting around to touring on my own thing because like we all have different timelines and like different ways that like bring us to where we want to go and i remember so vividly uh coming from a gig playing down at roberts which was a gig i dreamed of having and having gotten it i remember we finished at around 10 p.m one night we would play for four hours wow and, and y'all went on at 12th and porter and I think y'all went on at like 10.30, so I got there right when you guys started. Yeah. And you must have gone to like 12.30 or something. It was a long show. Yeah. And I remember you unpacking outside of the venue, packing up the van, and it was like me and like four other friends of mine. And you were like, uh, if maybe you guys will all be as lucky as me one day and you, we, you can live in a van and play music. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did say some, <laughs> and then I was probably like, "Party at my house!" <laughs> oh yes, totally, absolutely. That's hilarious. But man, I, the thing about that whole that whole spiel is that the show, even today, has threads that that show had, and that was like five, maybe six or seven years ago. Yeah, this was a while ago. So like, it seems like you kind of have a vision for a show. Like, are you a pretty rehearsed guy? Do you rehearse all the moves in the songs? No, and- that's the thing is we. Look, we never rehearse. Like, our band just doesn't rehearse, like, like ever. You, so, like, for the upcoming Blackstone Cherry Tour, you guys aren't rehearsing? We're going to rehearse once. That's insane, man. We're going to rehearse once. But, like, we rehearsed before we went to the record. We learned 27 songs, and that was the most that we had ever rehearsed. Wow. Um, and the, like send- and the, the most we ever rehearsed before that was when we did uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and we, we rehearsed for three days. Years we, ago. Yeah, we went to SIR, and we got a room, and we rehearsed for three days, and... Then we went on the show, and and I don't know why, but I started playing the song nothing like we rehearsed it. Like, we were going to all come huh. in together, and I got up there, and I just started playing it. And then Caleb was looking at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, rock with me. Like, And the improv is like such a – it's yeah. so much of our thing. Totally. That it was like, wait, why did we spend all that time and money at a rehearsal studio and then not do it like we rehearsed? But it wouldn't have felt authentic to have just gone up there and gone through the motions that were – you know what I mean? 110%. And so, you know, if we're learning songs, then, we're, then we'll rehearse. But, like, the process that we just did, we, we learned all the songs before we went to the studio, and then we played them a million times in the studio. Yeah. So let's not overdo it in rehearsal. That way there's, like, some, you know, hunger in them live, some, like, yes enthusiasm. That's so important to the genre of music, too. Yeah. It's like you're talking about there's no cosmic country radio station. There's no punk a uh, songwriter blues rock station <laughs> and it's like the even like all adjectives aside it's like performing a song that sounds hungry and that still has life to it 
that's almost like a thing where it's like some people don't want that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they want it to be such an orchestrated presentation that's been arranged. And yeah. Like, you know, especially like with like using tracks or, or something right. of that nature. Like that's so not your thing and it never has been. Well, I think people like when they can sense like that that you're on the edge as an artist. Totally. Man. To where it's like, wait, are they lost? Or do they know exactly where they're at? Totally. And to have this, you know, and I mean, with that said, we rehearsed a lot early on, but like we, you know, in the past couple of years, there've been years where we've done 200 plus dates a year. No need. So, so it's yeah. like, you're rehearsing in soundcheck. You're, you're kind of like, I can look at Caleb and know what he's about to do. And the same thing with me and the same thing with the other guys in the band. Like they, they know if I'm going to mess up and if I do, then they, they know how to follow me to where, mm. you know, you might know. Um, but most, most of the time it's going to be covered up pretty well yeah you know or it won't and then you're human so god and that's also a thing it's like you're establishing a fan base of like people who love that quality which is like yeah. so essential in, in the genre that is rock and roll yeah absolutely man absolutely we've got really cool really cool supporters you know it's like over the years we've built up like a almost like a cult like fan base totally like we know we can count on our people and they know that that what you know we do is important to us and yeah. they know that you know it's authentic yeah you know absolutely you know what i've been into lately have you ever uh gotten into black metal no dude it's crazy i just i was listening to a podcast actually um about true norwegian black metal it's like i've heard the, about this dude it's like the craziest stuff and because we were going to play in uh norway and so i started listening to it and talk about like a dedicated scene, man. Like in the early '90s, it was like when all the church burnings in Norway were going on, and okay. these guys were like extreme, 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 and like satanic and nuts. The music is really intense. But sorry, I just no, no need going down on a tangent there. That's amazing. Are you trying? Are you always listening to new outside things like that? Is that part of the game? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Are you listening to blues still? Is that do you listen to the same things that started you, Elvis and Yeah. Yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. I just, uh, I just um, bought like probably sixty new albums in New York of like Skip James, and I got like some Albert King, and I got an Elvis love song. So, like I'm, I'm still always like hungry for that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, like hip hop, metal, old yeah. school country. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So. I feel like that's a thing now. It's like. <laughs> A lot of, like, my earlier part of my career, I was only playing with people who were, like, at least double my age. And their whole thing was that they listened to pretty much, like, a handful of genres of music. Yeah. You know? Like, pretty consistently. Yeah. Uh, now, man, it's it's all people who are, you know, less than 10 years younger than me or older than me. And it's crazy how no one listens to a certain thing. Yeah. Like, everyone kind of listens to things across the board. Yeah. And you can hear that in music now. Yeah. Like, especially with, like, what's popular, like, I feel like in country music, like Chris Stapleton and Casey Musgraves, like, there's at least eight adjectives that you could have that aren't the word country. Yeah. That could go into that. Dude, I love that. Um, have you gotten into the Pop Staples rep record? Oh, yeah. The one that um, Jeff Tweedy Jeff finished Tweedy up? Jeff Tweedy did. It's amazing. It's amazing, that record. It's amazing. Friends? Yeah, yeah, the friendship song. Yeah. And to hear, like, Stapleton yeah. cover that one, and it was like, yeah, that's really badass dude it's a vibe so that record is unbelievable what, is that what you're trying to do with rock and roll are you trying to are you trying to make something that's going to be 
um, useful on a, on a really wide scale to people? Or are you are you really just trying to like grow your fan base in the organic way that you guys have been doing it? I think it's it's all just or is it it's me both? Weird. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a little of both. I I honestly haven't. I don't put that much thought into it. Really, to be honest with you, it's not like a calculated thing. It's, yeah, I just don't want to make like a regurgitated blues album. Like I I get so bored of just like blues guitar shredding. Me like, too. It I just don't like it. <clears throat> um, like I like to to shred blues guitar, but then I probably wouldn't listen to it. It's fun because I, right. I feel like I can do it like relatively well. Yes. You, know? you can do it very, very well. But I don't – thank you. Um, but I don't like listening to it. Isn't that crazy? And I don't like recording it. Isn't that crazy? I'm in the same boat Yeah, in some sense. So it's just like that. the thing is how can I do – you know, incorporate this thing that I like to do, which is shred guitar, but I also like to – Write songs. Write songs. I yeah. Like to sing, but I also want songs that I can get people really excited with in a in a live arena. You know, like so. It's a. It's just. Oh right. Totally. For for me, it's like how can I put all of these things together? Yeah. You know, and our band has over the years has developed a sound. You know that I can't do without Graham or Noah or Caleb, and so that whenever we're writing for the shakedown, it's like, oh yeah, if we do this live, it's gonna be sick or. I don't know. It's that makes total sense. But it, at the same time, you know, you talk about listening to different things. Um, you know, I might wake up with a Lightning Hopkins record, but you know, by the time I'm finished with coffee, be listening to Soundgarden, mm. and then you know, by the time I'm done with that, you're listening to NWA or like you just. So it's just a matter of like taking all of these influences and trying to do something that sounds fresh and exciting to me. Yes, because the last thing I want to do is make a record that sounds like. So, something that I've already heard, you know. Yeah, I do, man. I really do. So kind of like, oh, it's a, kind of like a responsibility. I feel like to at least take the chance and and put out a record that's so true to you. It at least search for it at least and 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 see what comes out. It's like to, to try to do something that hasn't been done. Yeah. If the product aside, like even the term product, you know, the, the result aside. The like the act of doing that and and that having be the intent is so important. Yeah. I feel like people who listen to your music can hear that. Well, I think I think that's a, like one of the things that's really cool about what you have going on with the cosmic country thing is like that's very unique to you. And yeah. I think as um, a guitarist or an, as an artist, like that's always been something that I've wanted to do is like how can I have my own sound? Yes, you know, like being moved, like you're moved by somebody, like as a kid, like yes. I I could hear Johnny Winter and go. I know that's Johnny Winter. How can I be one of those players? Oh, that's that my ultimate goal. When someone hears me, they know that it's me. Like, how can I do that? Well, dude, I've been listening to you for 10 years, and I, you've done that for me, for what it's worth. You oh, know, dude, that is such a way. compliment coming from you. From you. Yeah, well, d- well dang. It's, dude, I'm, I'm not kidding. All over the world, when I talk about Nashville, people talk about you. Like, people will be like, Daniel Donato, and they'll bring up Roberts, or like, <laughs> people are like, I was there way back when, and I saw this kid. Ain't that crazy? You know, yeah. Life is so weird that way. I know. It's cool. Did you and ever, were you social ever? media probably helps with that, too. And I feel like you and I both are on the optimistic side of social media because, like, I meet a lot of players and just people in general who are like, that's ah, selfish to post every day or it's it's narcissistic or um, they, they, they don't want to hop on the wave of what's new. But it's like, 
I feel like you really care about your fan base and you're really dedicated to bettering yourself through the medium that is music as a person. Yeah. And you you like sharing that with the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. I mean, I think social media has its, you know, totally. pros and cons, you yeah. know, but like, I don't see, you're not like always like just posting like, like modeling pictures of like, this is, check out this new shoot I just did with, you know, Jeff Baldwin, man. Like, this is, <laughs> this is my new, like, this Dude. is my new look. Should I cut my bangs or should I like let it, let them grow? Like, uh-huh. What's up? Fam. What's up, fam? What's this what's up fam vibe? Like who says those things? Yeah. People. People say people that. People on Instagram. You know, but like if I'm if I'm posting or not, I'm sitting in my my studio if I'm home yes. making something. So it's like you may as well just like share it if you want to. I mean there's a, I haven't posted on Instagram in days because I've been just so entrenched in Final Cut and making like oh, other videos that will dude. eventually get shared, but, shared and seen. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that so many of of the fans that come to our shows have found us through YouTube or found us through Facebook. Totally, and it's like, why not use that? Like, um, my girls' band, Larkin Poe. Oh, dude, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, <clears throat> their social media has propelled them into a completely. Like, yeah. new level. New level. I'm talking, it's insane. They had, like, a couple of videos that they posted get, you know, half a million, no, five million views, like, ridiculous numbers. And they're, they're, uh, I watched their Facebook go from, like, 20,000 subscribers to, like, what is it at now? It's, like, 500,000 or something. Oh, wow. And you know the shows, number? All their shows are selling it. Well, I just, the other day, she, we were having coffee, and she's like, oh, we just hit 500,000. Dude, that's an insane number of people. I know. And she doesn't care at all. She literally is. She's just like, that's cool. Whoa. But their shows are selling out, and it's great. And are you just kind of like, oh, shit, like, my lady's selling out more shows than me. Like, damn. No, not at all. I mean, I, you know, I definitely, she's definitely, like, just doing great. And I think that we probably... We probably dealt with. Uh, is it kind of a competitive thing? Is no, it's not. Really, not at all. Whenever we first started dating, totally. Okay. Like, I remember the first show she ever came to. We were out on tour with uh, Billy Gibbons, and it, you guys were acoustic for that, yeah, right? Yeah, it was okay. an acoustic tour, and I was really bummed that the first shakedown show she was going to see was an acoustic one. Why is that? Because like it wasn't the full it's like punch. A stripper who doesn't take her clothes off, like. But what if it's happy hour? You know, what if it's only four p.m.? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. You you know, get the. Get get the drink and just enjoy this show, I guess. But <laughs> so, but I was just I was like I want her to get the full experience, and uh, I invited her to come backstage, and she and she wouldn't do it. She was like, "No, I'm not like I'm not gonna come backstage." And I didn't realize that she was uncomfortable being at a show and not playing, and then watching the show and equating it to her band and. Mm. Maybe they do this better, but I can do this better. And she was being competitive. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and after the show, she's like, good show. I'm I'm leaving. See you soon. And it's like, wait a second. Wait, what? Like, you're just – and I, like, caught her as she was walking out the door. And uh, the same thing happened to me. Like, I could, like, go into her shows. I would just be like, oh, I wish I could get up there and play and do this. And we were constantly, like – That's great. Or I would, like, when we were out on the ACDC tour, she was – she was home, like, writing, working on a project. So life was a lot more still for her. And then we come home, and she's out doing a, you know, doing a tour. And I'm, you know, stationary for a moment. So I feel like that's so good, though, right? You guys are 
<clears throat> you and I both, like, uh, pretty much everyone we're talking about, we're all at this age in our life where it's like we have the most time, the most freedom, and the least amount of obligations to, to fulfill our potential. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like that that arrangement you guys have going on, that must be really solid for you. Because you seem yeah. to be a guy who, who um, first and foremost, works his works his ass off. But two, um, does it, doesn't like, uh, in slight isolation. Like, I even feel like maybe mentally, it's like, like, man, the reason why this interview, like, for me is, is like, this question, I feel like it makes a lot of sense. Like, is why it's so, this is so great. Because, like, I've been following you for so long, and it's like, You've been playing some of the same songs in your set since I've known you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have a laptop that has like a thousand demos on it. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like you might operate. And you've also made moves that are like are outside of, like you haven't like gone with a big record label or something. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe you've tried, I don't know. But you haven't, uh, you really haven't ch- changed the lane you're in. Like y- you play the, 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 like the same guitar. Yeah, with the same intensity, and, and and none of it is coming from a place that's lazy, like because you work so hard. So it's like, I feel like you're a guy who like sticks to his guns when when something feels right, and you don't really care what anybody else says. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think the band definitely having the, the band that I have because mm. we have we have a gang, man. You know what I mean? Because big like we Caleb and I, <laughs> I I think I was maybe 18 or 19 we got offered a record deal with Hollywood Records the big Disney label right doctor like a doctor luke thing or something it was i was working with a lot of those guys in yeah. california and uh that's so not you i hated i hated the demos like i like i could not listen to them i would be humiliated to plan for anyone and whenever they offered us a, a record contract yeah. for a lot of money we said no why is that because we hated the sound. I was like, I can't sleep with that guy who's singing there. Who, It sounds nothing like the guy who's singing because it's been, you know, mm-hmm. genetically modified in a co- computer to sound like whatever else the Sausage Factory is spitting out. Uh. You know what I mean? And so it's always been like, I've been attracted to the rebellion in rock and roll of like, everyone's doing this. Like, screw that. No, we're going to stay. Stay the course. Keep rocking. And, like, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's, like, hindered us. But I think that. You think so? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Hollywood Records might say so. I'm, I'm proud to be in the band I'm in. And I'm proud of, like, yeah. the, the grassroots fan base that we've built from the ground up that no label or anyone can take away from us. Right. You're a guy who really values longevity. Yeah, like you value the real things. Like your, I feel like your moves have always been macro, not yeah. micro. Yeah, where it's like we live in a town where it's like, I went and got coffee with this guy the other day. It's like no need to share a name, but he's like, yeah, man, like I'm doing pop music now. It's like I love pop music. Like, I listen to pop music every day on the elliptical. Like, oh my god, you know, you have an elliptical? Uh, not in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in another house one day. Um, but it's like I love pop music. But it's like, man, three years ago you weren't doing pop music. It's like, what made you change? And it's like, you see a lot of uh, external influences changing people. And I, the reason why I, I bring up this question is because I get asked it a lot. It's like, people ask, like, what inspires, people ask me, like, what inspires me? And like, what inspires you to make the music you make? I'm like, well, I'm just trying to do my own thing in basic, in summary. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, and then 
upon scheduling this interview going back, I'm like, well, you were one of the first guys who showed me that. Oh, that's cool. It's like you've always done your thing. Yeah. And it's been ye- – I've been seeing you for 10 years now doing your thing. Well – It's a long time. Man, and, you know, I, I like I said, I think having a, a, a support system of That's like, huge, huh? You know, like yeah. even if you're only cool in your own like rehearsal studio, but it <laughs> makes you feel good, then it's, then it's worth something. Because eventually it'll grow. Yeah. But that's the thing is, dude, like – I maxed out multiple credit cards starting this band. Like I, I like, you know, amassed an incredible amount of debt, like buying vans and what? trailers and road cases. All and, to be broken into eventually. And yeah, yeah, and like out. having guitars stolen oh. and and you know countless breakdowns and like, you know, just whatever. Like I'm talking about like transportation breakdowns. Totally. You know, not not necessarily mental breakdowns. Although there, maybe there have, been, there have been a few of those as well. You know, and. Caleb and Caleb and Graham and Noah and I, we've always had this mentality of we starve together and we feast together. And it's always been this thing of like, Team. you know, we've played hundreds of gigs to no one. We've played, we've played gigs where, you know, the, the venue owner was sending the bar staff home because there was no one there to buy drinks. No way, man. And we have been humiliated in that way. How do you feel like a rock star when that happens? Like, how do you rock when... You don't. You close your eyes and you just go. You just go. And that's what I talk to kids like, um, yeah. you know, I started giving lessons like a couple years ago because I was, I was broke. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I needed, I needed some, extra, some extra bread. And uh, that's one of the things I always talk to kids about was like, yeah, like, because they were asking like, how did you, how did you you know, get to do this ACDC tour? How did you get to play with Guns N' Roses? How did you get to do all this stuff? And it's like, you have to, if you're playing at CeCe's Pizza, you have to like literally bring it, even if it's only the staff there because one person might tell another person and then it's like, yeah, I saw this kid, man. He like, totally. he wasn't just grinning and bearing it. He was like <laughs> in it. Yeah. And so it's like finding your zone that you can get in and just going, you know? But it's like, it wasn't till like three Two, two, three years ago that, like, I actually felt like it paid off, you know, to, like, have, an, have taken the risk. So were you ever, like, man, like, I might gotta, I, I gotta go back to Texas, or? Yeah, The Wayside, The Wayside EP. Really, man? That's what that song, The Wayside, was. It was, like, me, like, feeling like I was just banging my head against the wall with no reward. That's so funny, because right when that EP came out, I was let go from my job at Roberts. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, I was in an existential crisis, and I'll never forget it, like, having one of the only pin attacks I've ever had, and um, I was just terribly confused, terribly yeah. scared and confused, Yeah. and um, I felt like music had done that to me, yeah. where music had never done that before. It was always the thing that unpackaged the confusion, yeah. but all of a sudden, the tables turned. Yeah. And uh, that was extremely difficult for me to deal with. And I still get there sometimes, but I'm, I'm much better at turning it around now. And uh, that was right when that EP came out, man. Yeah. I remember thinking, well, well, like it looks like everything's happening for Tyler and the band. Yeah. And that's so funny now that time has passed and yeah. you're talking about, I guess you were maybe in a similar place. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, before that EP came out, I think we did like- That maybe, was the Varvados, right? Yeah, that was the Republic? Varvados Republic deal. Um, Andrew Watt was like involved- yeah, he, he was signed on that label, too. Isn't that crazy? Like, what different life paths we all pursue, like, in just a short amount of time? I know, yeah, I know. He's, like, pop guy killing it. 
But it's like also rock and roll. Like it, he's doing a yeah. great thing for rock and roll music. Like, yeah. It's not like the Greta Van Fleet thing where it's like, okay, let's exploit something that's kind of been done and bring it to a new league of people. I feel like he's doing things musically that are like legitimately rock and roll. Yeah. You know, also very pop. He's a cool kid. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's just it's just interesting how things can change, you know. But I think that you, if you believe in something, you just have to be persistent and resilient. You have to just you have to stand strong, you know. Damn, and, uh, what gives you that strength? I, I mean, probably just like I would just say being hopeful. Like you're just because, and I think every now and then, like when like. One win for the underdog can go a long way. That's like fuel in the tank for a lot of miles, you know? And so, like, we went from having a year where we played 12 shows. No way. Yeah, this was right before The Wayside came out. We 12 had 12 shows? 12 shows. And we, like, we, um, we couldn't, we couldn't pay our booking agent to get us a gig. We couldn't get, a, we, we, like, couldn't get, a, you know, arrested if we, you know, tried. It was just like, <laughs> like, what is going on here, man? Like, do we suck this bad? No way you were thinking that. Oh, absolutely. Just, Completely, like you talk about, like panicking and stuff, man. I was having like full on panic attacks, just being like, wow. and music was doing that. Yeah, ain't that crazy? But it's it's not. I don't think it's music as much as the career of it. Mixing art with business, man. That's something I wanted to ask you about. It was like your live show dialogue is like talking to you. It's like it's a very transparent thing. It's like you are you're just like an amped up leader version of yourself on stage. Mm. You're leading the room. Right, like that's that's kind of like your thing, like vocally at least. It seems yeah. like, um, which is. So I just get excited. That's all. My adrenaline just gets like out of control. Fuck yeah! Yeah, that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a really short period of time. Yeah. You know, like ninety minutes. It's like that's insane. Yeah. But it's like, how have you managed to like maintain that youthful? Because like you're so youthful, and how you stay inspired with things. Like the way my brain works. Like talking about being an overthinker. It's like. I, like, wake up at the same time every day. Like, I do the same morning routines, and it's, like, I do wonder at times if that hinders creativity or not, where it seems like you, it's, like, you you start the day, and it's kind of just, like, make something beautiful, maybe in a sense. Yeah. And maybe from the outside, it, it seems more simple than it is being you and owning your life and all your choices and stuff. But it's, like, how have you ma- been able to maintain that youthful dream and that that youthful that 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 green and that tenderness the childlike enthusiasm man that's like that's one of the most important things to me isn't it not it's is, like and it, it evolves and it comes down to everything not to cut you off but it's like everything is a reflection of that like the leather jackets that you're into and it's like the music you're listening to or like like all those things dude i love you tech you text me one day and you're like so do you like put your leather jacket on like when you're rocking in your studio for a reason? I'm obsessed with process. Yeah. Like I'm ob- ob- and it's like dude like there's you posted something at like 9 a.m. I'm like no way is he wearing that heavy ass leather. Oh yeah, I was. It's like so like <laughs> <laughs> like to like get in the zone to like feel the thing. Yeah, or it was cold. Um <laughs> but like I was just like I I just like to – I call it like, all right, I'm ready to launch. Like it's like what it, what's going to happen? Like I'm ready to just go. And like like yesterday it was like, oh, I have an idea. I'm going to make a lyric video. I'm going to I'm gonna write – I'm going to go find a piece of old wood and write the lyrics for this song on it and then douse it in gasoline and film it in slow motion. What the and, fuck, man? Yeah, and it's just like – and then it didn't turn out well at all, but I spent two hours do, like trying and, and it was fun and – 
you're happy about that? You happy you spent that time doing yeah, that? Yeah, because it, you know, it's like what we were talking about earlier. You show up, you do the work. I had an idea, I followed through with it. It didn't work, but two of the other ideas I had worked. So it's just like, you know, you gotta you gotta swing until you hit something. And that, I mean, it's the same thing. Like with, with the like when you talk about the course that the band has been on. Like, yeah, we had a a year where it was twelve shows, and the next year we had, you know. 180 shows and i paid off all the debt that i had amassed the 10 years leading up to that oh my god and so it was like yeah and i'm i'm you know i say that i'm still like you know i consider myself a blue collar rock and roller you know like i come totally. from a family of like my dad's about to retire from 35 years at a at a factory and has a lawn business and my mom is a you know a school teacher and how do your uh, parents feel about how about like your your story and how it's been was there ever a time where it was like like those dead times, was it ever hard to confront? Dude, my parent, my dad still calls me all the time and it's like, you know, boy, if you need to move home, you know, we can. <laughs> and I'm like, no, dad, like, freaking out. I'm like, yo, like, pops, have you not, like, look at our website, dude, look at all the shows we're doing. Like, yeah. I remember calling to hit my dad whenever we got the ACDC tour and being like, dude, we're doing a world tour with ACDC. Is and that we, not crazy for you to actually say to your dad? You know much? what he said? He goes, well, if it was George Strait, I'd be impressed. <laughs> and I was like, right on, dude. Cool. Talk to you soon. That's Bye. insane, man. <laughs> what? Yeah. Dude, you guys would sound great with George Strait. It was my first concert. Cowboy Rides Away? Uh, my first concert was George really? Strait. Really? I love George oh, I Strait. love some George Strait. That's the Texan in you, though, dude. Oh, absolutely, man. Your music is so, like, to me, like, I've played with so many people from Texas, but you're the only rock and roll person I know from Texas, aside from Jonathan Tyler. Yeah. Um... And I hear so much Texas in your songwriting. Yeah. Like you're like, um, are you a fan of, of Towns Van Zant and Oh and dude, of are, course. Are you know, and like is that is that a big thing for you? Like Absolutely. all the Texas like Ray dude, Wiley Hubbard? Dude, I've been I've been recording songs with Ray. He's been coming over to the studio and we've we've done like four or five songs together that are I'm so excited about them. Whoa. And you're producing them? Well, yeah, like I'm just kind of recording them. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Okay, yeah. Like there are a couple of demos that I've done where I've done all of the production, mm -hmm. but when with Ray, it's more of like I think the production it consists of having the mic on and ready when he walks in. Totally. Because he's one of those guys that sits down and just spits out brilliance. I okay. was so excited the first time that that he came over because he, you know, I've been a fan of his songwriting for so long and he told me a story about towns actually where he went to see towns and guy clark play in deep ellum oh i love deep ellum and uh and he said he walked in and they saw him and they were like oh ray wiley's in here we're gonna get him up on the stage and said he walked up to play a song and he turned around and towns and guy were getting into a car they'd like like pawn the gig off on i love that and then they came back like i guess probably like three sheets to the wind and Ray had been entertaining the room for however long. But, That's uh, amazing, dude. I can't. I can't say enough good things about him. We're actually going to record some songs later this this month with the Shakedown, with Ray backing him up. Yeah, at your house, mm -hmm. dude. That's insane. Yeah, because we and I'm really excited that he that he asked me to do it because he he called me and said, "Hey, I'm getting ready to make a new record, and I like the way these demos wow. you made for me sound, and I want to I want to do a couple songs at your house for my record." Whoa. So I'm super stoked about that. 
whoa, man, that surely must still like that must keep the fire on that youthful energy that we were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Like, big, huge heroes and things like that happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, like recording or doing videos or, you know, it's just the same as, you know, touring in a band. You you start by learning something, then you put in a lot of time to try and get better at it. And then, you know, maybe one little win like that will keep you going for a long time. And, you know. Whoa, man. Yeah. So. Man, one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, which we kind of taught, we kind of touched on a, a while ago, was like, so guitar players who have their own sound, musicians have their own sound. I saw Robert Randolph sitting in with Arkenboat the other night. Yeah. And it's like anyone who's heard Robert Randolph one time before would know that's Robert. Absolutely. You know, and it's like, I love that. And it, the same thing goes for, for, for artists like Salvador Dali. Like I have three of his paintings. Yeah. Hanging up this, obviously not originals, but like, I just love the artists who are able to get the sentiment across so quickly of who they are. Yeah. And it's like, the thing that I've noticed is like, it's easier to do that with guitar than it is your own songs. Yeah. Especially if guitar is kind of the first thing that you latched onto before songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there's a a separate identity of, of 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 Tyler the writer and then Tyler the guitar player, or is it kind of a fused thing? Oh, dude, t- total. There's totally there's a couple of different identities there. Yeah. You know, like there's a there's a whole solo record that I have like probably seventy songs set aside for that I'm gonna make one of these days. Yeah, what was it? Uh, for those hearts that sleep yeah. off. That's yeah, gorgeous. For all the hearts that sleepwalk, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to make the record. Because you're like a late night guy, right? I'm a late night guy, yeah, and I sleepwalk, like, if I'm worried about something. Oh, that's beautiful. If my, if my you know, my mind's running, then my body follows suit while I'm sleeping. <laughs> pretty, pretty nuts and scary at times. Yeah, I bet you, I bet there's like some insane parts of you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Musically. But, so, but yeah, I mean, like. Even like when I proposed to Rebecca, I did it with a song, and I did like what? And I yeah, I wrote this song um, called Grandma's Ring because I used my great grandmother's ring that had been in, in my family for forty six years, and so I was That's like, insane. and I like when I after I asked her father, then I was I, I kind of sat down and was like, I felt, you know, the weight of the ring, and was like, oh, this there's a lot because now this is about to have a whole new history, and uh, I was like, I have to write it write this down and i and then it like came clear to me like this is your proposal and i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna get like a string section and get like i'm gonna do this up and have her sister i was gonna have both of her sisters sing the background vocals so that that, that her family would be involved or whatever and then uh i I didn't i didn't megan was with her all the time so i couldn't get her involved on it yeah but like went through had it mixed mastered recorded it at the house and it and it turned it's like one of my favorite songs that you know, I was I was like a conduit for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like I wrote it. I just felt like it. It I like picked it out of the. Wow. You know, it was like there, and I just grabbed it. Yeah. You know, and I and I love it when songs happen like that. But there's so many songs that are like so much more. Um, and I think that they're more vulnerable than we normally go with the shakedown. It's more like real. Like I. You know, I've got a, f- a few songs that are about like my childhood or my family, and you can't bring those to the band. There are a couple off. on the new record that that um that are that are kind of like peeking into that side of of my writing that you know have been shut down for the longest time by the band, and and I think that the wayside kind of changed that for us because we never did we never did slow songs. 
you know what I mean? And so then it was like even live. Yeah. And yeah. so now we're we're kind of like exploring that in shakedown land, but I I'm constantly you know listening to like you said like getting inspired by towns or Guy Clark or Tom Waits or you know there's so many guys part that, of a Saturday night, man. Oh man. Like yeah. I can't I can't listen to um take it with me without just weeping. <gasps> You know, or hold on. It's like there are certain, and so there are certain songs. Like it happened to me this morning. I was um, working on this song before I came here um, called "Headed for the House." Mm. My old man's getting ready to retire, and I was. Oh, that's great. And I was thinking about like one of the things that he always said when he'd call home from work was like, "Well, I'll get off at seven. I'll be heading for the house." Yeah. And I, I was getting a car towed, and the AAA driver said, "Yes, my last, uh, my last, uh, you know, tow for the day. I'll be heading for the house." And I was like, "That's like a working man's phrase," you know. And so I wrote this song about, you know, for my old man as like a gift. And that was like, I found myself like getting tear, tearing up being like, yeah, this is what it's for. It's about like, because I, and, and I was talking to Rebecca about this being like, yeah, I can express these feelings a lot better through songs because it's harder to just talk about things like that. Yeah. It's harder for like, I'm not going to call my old man on the phone and be like, yo, maybe I should. I, and I probably have at times, but. Yeah. I really, really respect this about you, and I appreciate it. And it's a lot easier for me to just give him a song, be like, hey, you know, good work for 35 years. Thanks for supporting the family. And, Dude, that's insane. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I want to make a an acoustic song record one day. Whoa, man. And hopefully this year. This year? Or next year, yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Do you think your fans, like, um... Do you think your fans expect a certain thing out of you like that? Like, if you were to try to to do that, would it be like a maybe a one eighty of what they expected of you? Because like your show is so there's so much guitar, like yeah. it's so much based on musicianship, and the songs are so the songs are so strong. But it's like that's such a part of what you do. Do you feel like you've already kind of established this identity, it's, and moving away from it would provide some friction, or, or do you not even think about no, it? I don't think that it would provide friction. I think that you know, um, it would be so different that you know people would would know immediately like oh that's like i'm a shakedown fan but i'm like that's way too mellow for me or oh that's beautiful you know what i mean like and i, I honestly just don't care like you know i think that it would be through social media and stuff i've hinted at hinted at it enough and like through my patreon page yeah you know because i i post my backing tracks from instagram on patreon just for so cool instrumental ones for kids to like practice with and <clears throat> and every now and then i'll post a couple of my acoustic songs on there and uh you know i think people are like they know it's coming yeah but and it's kind of all circular right yeah it all it you know it's it'll all feed it all feeds the, the next <sighs> thing you know like the shakedown feeds that side of of me because i can't rock out you know 24 hours of the day some days i can but like i said then you you yeah. have three days of that and then you need to sit down and listen to Tom Waits or you need to sit down and like for me I get so sick of guitar shredding yeah that I need to sit down and play a, a song that has three chords and no like intense picking just like these chords are literally a vehicle for the words is there any part of you that kind of like because that's like what a large part of your fan base is I'm assuming are guitar players yeah a lot of them are like obviously rock and roll fans yeah Maybe, but also, firstly, guitar players. A lot of them. I feel like that's been changing slightly, though. Like, especially in Europe. Totally. In Europe, it's, like, 
this music. I makes. think our older we have an older demographic in America, and I think there's a lot more guitar player like guitar nerds, which I'm a self-professed guitar nerd. Um, but in Europe, it's we see a lot more kids and a lot more girls that are there singing the words who like I don't I don't um, a lot of them could be guitar players but a lot of them I don't think are guitar players yeah you know I don't, I don't know that's a huge go- that's a huge milestone yeah I think it's good bring value to those people but, but those people it's also like yeah they're singing Wayside louder than they're singing anything else well and so, that take a chance putting out that song yeah, yeah absolutely which I think like I said was um, a lesson for us that it's okay to, to to break it down and be vulnerable for a minute. Damn. That song is slow as hell, man. I love that song. It's so damn slow. <laughs> Dude, that kind of like um I think I think when I saw you guys play last, it was a while ago. I think it was like Basement East, right when that record came out. It was like November. It might have been was it seventeen? It might have been November seventeenth. Yeah, November twenty third. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, good times, man. Good yeah, times, man. for sure. Man, one final thing. One thing, uh, just reflecting back on, on all the music of yours that I've listened to and all the stories and, like, the, the thing I've followed along. Like, I've been along with the ride, what, like, rooting for you for years in the heaviest way. And it's like I've seen so much serendipity. Like, so much of things that people who aren't you watching your story from the outside be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that that piece fell in the place right when it should have yeah and, and it's like maybe since you own all your hardship and it's like me as a fan like i don't everything seems to like have paid off and is paying off in like a beautiful way yeah it's like, what do you think about about serendipity like meeting roosevelt twitty meeting caleb when you met him and or like robert knight yeah it, even though like that might have been like a, a pretty shitty thing ultimately like in, in terms of a human to human interaction like what do you think about that element of life playing into your career you know there's a i think it's from like desi dorada where there's like a line in, it's a it's a poem um okay. and um there's a line in it that says oh, how it's it's somehow though it may not have been clear to you this is not exactly it but the universe was unfolding as it should yeah and that was always so moving to me like the thought of i may not see it but things are gonna fall into place things are gonna work out yeah and, uh, I don't make I don't make plans very far ahead. Like really? uh uh-uh. uh. No, it's it's all like this is the moment. Let's let's just be here. Um I think I used to plan a lot more than I do now. And okay. I, and I don't think that ever really benefited me too much because then I I would get disappointed if if things didn't go according to plan. Totally. And so it was it was a lot harder to appreciate the moment. Like if I was if I was planning for us to be, you know, in a tour bus and I'm trying to like edit our van out of our, you know, tour blog so that people perceive us as being bigger than we are. Yeah. Then it's like, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Like I, I want people to know like, yeah, this, this is the, one of the hardest working like rock and rollers in the game because yeah. me and everyone else in my bed, we are some of the hardest working rock and rollers in the game. And, you know, I think that, you know, some of the things that have happened have just been, like, I'm just grateful for them. You know, I don't know well, why they happened. Like, I don't know why I met Mr. Twitty, except yeah. for the fact, like, 
you know, maybe it was so that I can then one day pass it on to somebody. Totally. You know, maybe it's so, um, I, you know, like I've had kids come to our shows being like, you know, your music kept me from killing myself. Whoa. And it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, cool. This is, there's a lot more to this than, you know, it's not a popularity contest. It's not about getting rich. Like this is music, you know, like you, you feel music and you like, you based your life around it because it moved you mm. early on. Early. And so that's like, it takes us right back to the childlike enthusiasm thing. Like having that, that kid version of yourself be really excited. How do you keep that guy happy? How do you keep him around? Just don't make decisions based on the, like, I ask myself constantly, would the 15-year-old version of me want to kick my ass right now? Wow. I was just talking about this. Because, like, it's so easy to to get, um, to let business yeah. or, like, you know, potential to make money or potential to um, become more popular influence decisions. Yeah. You know, in the in the social media age of, you know. Yeah being out there like we're you can if, if you wanted to you could put yourself out to thousands of people mm-hmm. and just like that yeah that's never happened before in human history never yeah. had this before yeah it's crazy it's crazy and um so it's it's just a for me it's just a matter of asking myself because when you're a kid you're not influenced by all of this all of this stuff isn't that nuts yeah i remember being 14 and just being like coming home from school like getting like something from subway and then like just locking myself in my room. Yeah. Till midnight. Yeah. Totally, and man. I remember waking up every day and putting on yep. whatever record I wanted to listen to and just laying in my bed and listening to it. And I didn't I didn't even have a bed. I had a couch because I I had a bed, but then it was like I can't fit my drum set and my eight track recorder in here if I have a bed. So it's like <laughs> laying on the couch and listening to these records and just being like getting goosebumps yes like that's a that's a thing with me like if i get goosebumps in the studio it's like okay this is working because yeah because i'm feeling i'm feeling this yeah or if or if a friend shows me a song that they're working on and i get goosebumps i make sure that they see i'm like look like this is it's i'm reacting to this like in my soul like my whole being is moved by this that you're playing and i think that it's so just like for me i have to keep that that like kid hungry and alive otherwise i'm just a you know boring old man it's predictable yeah it's yeah. safe man and i think that music is the, it's the opportunity to be anything but safe you know like think about some Whoa. of the cats that moved you like i don't know man i think it's 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 just the possibility is too exciting Right, and I think it's so predictable just to kind of make it, to take all the potential and all the, all the speculations of what you think you want to do, and let that move your path and perhaps deter you from what really is inspiring you. Yeah, especially the process. Absolutely. Like, I feel like a lot of those hours that you put into that basement fuel a lot of the things that have happened in your life. Yeah, and I think it's also like. You know, taking things that like taking the roadblocks and and using them using them for fuel. Optimism. Yeah, you know, always take, works. Taking the slaps in the face and and going. Yep. Yeah, my face looks kind of cool when it's got that red mark on it. Like you Ooh. know, and like wearing it. Like you gotta like, because that's 
No one teaches you that, man. No, and and I meet and I meet kids who yep. get discouraged so easily, and it's like, oh, yep. dude, like you don't even know. Like you yeah. have to, like your skin has to get tough to do this for a living, especially like in the age of social media where everyone has an opinion, you know, which they yep. will voice so quickly because it's anonymous, yeah. basically. And yeah. So it's so easy to just get bogged down early yeah. on in the game, and like if there's any kids listening to this, like don't. Don't get bogged down. Like, use it as fuel. Like, that's huge. You got to just do your own thing. You know, you got to become the cosmic country guy. You Ooh. know, that's like doing, yeah. you, like, you are doing Daniel Donato. Yeah. And that's awesome because it's your thing. And you can do, if people like your thing, you can do your thing forever. Yeah. And you don't have to have that many people who like it. You know what I mean? Like, yes. That's the thing is my, my, um, oh, wow. That's my, a real point. My, my, um, idea of success has changed so tremendously in the last handful of years. How so? Because I always thought, like... I'm going to open up this coconut liqueur. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is getting a little weird, talking about doing things my own way. <laughs> uh, it also matches the shirt. Also, to be fair. All right. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. We, um... But, you know, it's just, like, I always, always wanted to be, um... I always thought, oh... We have to be the biggest rock band in the world. We have to be like Greta Van Fleet or something. Yeah. No, I'm talking like like biggest rock band in the world, like like, like Zeppelin. Okay, that's <laughs> I've heard of them. Um, I've heard Greta Van Fleet first. Is that the band that they sound like? No, I don't know. I don't know. I do. I do. I am really excited that Greta Van Fleet is is me too man. making waves for rock rock and roll. You know, they they seem like like nice kids. I've never met them or anything. But they yeah. seem like cool kids. Um. But I'm I'm excited just to hear you know where it goes where it goes like I I I hope they like really like grow into their own thing you know but they I yeah I'm I just love that they're kicking down doors for guys like me to you know <laughs> ride ride through with a flag totally you know because that's what it's all about is like con- contributing to the continuum yeah that is yeah man do you feel like your failures um and your successes have helped change what you consider to be a goal? Like, consider your goals and consider where you see success? Yeah, absolutely. Like, the more you fail, you almost get a better vision of what your success actually is. Yeah. And the more you move along with your story as it unfolds. Yeah. Well, I think I I had a conversation with Bonamassa about about success. Oh, wow. He called me and was like, yo, dude, congratulations on everything. Like, I've been kind of keeping up with you from afar and Mm – and he commented on like, "Whoa, you've like you've stuck around. A lot of guys have dropped out, and you've like you've stayed it's in the game." Big deal. And I was like, "Hell yeah, I've stayed in the game. Like, what else was I gonna do?" That's like, what some people don't get. That though, man. Some people really like. Some people change genres. Some people say, "Yeah, maybe I'll be an agent now." Or yeah, you know, it's, some people don't stick around. Yeah, and uh, and he he was like, Are "You ready for the playbook?" And I was like, "Cause he's won. Like he is." He has won. You know what I mean? Dude, man, the fact you're saying someone has won, it's like, that's still, like, I love pointing out, like, these differences to anyone who's listening. Like, uh, being an agent, like, you can win. Like, that's a huge, like, I'm friends with a lot of music agents, like, who are, like, really happy people, and, like, that's winning for them. But, like, I love being able to say win and lose. Yeah. Because, like, life, you can make life simple. It's like either you win or lose at certain things. Yeah. And, like, to me, Bonamassa won. Dude, he's killing it. He's killing it, and he's gonna keep on winning. Yeah, he's gonna keep on winning because he. But he's also built up something grassroots, you know. And 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 he and I talked about this at length, and and 
uh, one particular phone conversation about. Yeah, what was the vibe of that? It was just about you start with a hundred people who who care, who genuinely care. Uh-huh. Hundred people who are going to buy the Daniel Donato Cosmic Country record. Yeah. Then you put out another record. That's going to those hundred people, and you just continue to grow that. You know what I mean? Like you start you start small and work up because I think so many people, like you're talking about, the people who are constantly changing genres or like my I have qualms with all of these internet bands that they don't they don't do anything except they release a single and then they have four other internet bands with different artwork or they wear masks or something and it's like just let's see which one works. I guess you're like a musical entrepreneur and that's cool, but like So are you though? You own your own business? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um but it's but it's like people are are starting going, I want this to, to be the jackpot. The big thing. And, big if, and if all of these other things don't work, we'll never do it again. So to me, I'm not into the idea of disposable projects. Like I want like nothing about what we do to be disposable. To me, personally. It might be to someone else, and that's their own. Yeah. People are opinionated, and people can take or leave what we do. That's no sweat off my back. But like I want our art to first and foremost feel like, oh, this this can't be anything else like this has to be this oh wow you know great and then and then you go you start small this is 25 25 people are into it 50 people 100 people are into it and then you just keep building it wow so my idea of success is just being able to survive and make stuff that's cool and be able to go down into the into my little like cave and create whoa daily yes or if not at home being on the road playing what has been created and and still creating on the road. You still like make tracks and do yeah, everything. Yeah, dude, like I have I have You're I call incessant. it my idea farm, and it's it's oh perfect. It's either in our dressing room or in my hotel room, yeah. or on the bus. So I I have like you know a whole Pro Tools rig that that I travel and I set up almost daily. Yeah, just to kind of keep the tool sharp. That's beautiful, man. It's fun, man. You, absolutely, it's fun, and it keeps me from like you know getting into trouble. What do you mean? He's, it's like, uh, you know, it's just a good way to spend your time. So you don't, like, really accidentally, is. like, kill somebody or, like, get addicted to drugs or. <laughs> Those are two extreme things. <laughs> That's a whole lot to do before sound check. That's a lot to do before 4 p.m., man. Not if you're in a black metal band. There we go. Okay. Yeah. It's coming back. Yeah. I think everything in this in this convo has just, like, circled back to something. To Norwegian black metal? <laughs> Not necessarily that, but. <laughs> <laughs> This was great, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me over. Yeah. I mean, I just want to mention, like, the new record's coming out, and it's like, I am unbelievably so excited about that. Um, I don't, is there anything, do you want to, you want to, you want to share anything about that? And there's also the Blackstone Cherry. Yeah. Carry Me Down the Road Tour. It's like, that's yeah. a co-headline. Yeah. That's, that's insane. That's crazy. Um, like, that's the most insane part. That's awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of can't believe that, because those guys are, um... And you know what? Shout out to, to Blackstone Cherry because those guys do like seven, eight thousand tickets in the UK. Whoa! And and here they come, they come back and they're doing like you know five hundred, six hundred, to a thousand people. Um, That's an insane difference. And, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's America and like the radio and the rock scene here just isn't thriving. I mean, hopefully with like Greta Van Fleet and some of these bands that are really killing it, the rock scene will will change and grow and get more excited about. American rock and roll, but dude, you got shout see. out to those guys for yeah for years continuing to grind and grind in America. Yeah, I'm excited to to share the bill with them. Man, that's beautiful. 
Yeah, man. And then the first single from the record drops on the 29th. Of this month? This month. Whoa, I didn't hear about that. You can see the video I've been slaving on. You're going to do the video for it? Yeah, I already did. I finished it this morning. That's what I've been like. I've I've been working on it consistently like for the last three days straight, nonstop. I bet so. Four days straight, yeah, something like that. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see this. I was walking around my house with sunglasses on last night because the computer light just like messes with your brain after a little while. You got those dual monitors down there too. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that would destroy your retinas. Yeah, just totally, totally wires up your brain in the worst way. So like for anyone who's trying to like do grassroots, it's just like, let's make sure to keep our eye vision safe. Because uh, like by the time Tyler's 30, he's going to uh, like start needing some aviators that are like prescription. Um. <laughs> So that just a heat of warning for anyone who's listening, any kids, uh, before you want to buy a Stratocaster and start turning it up. It's like, check your <laughs> eye vision. No, but it's also like, while you're giving the kids advice, like I see you doing a lot of the same thing where you're like going out and you're making your own content and you're doing like, yeah. you know, like you, who, who did you design your t-shirt or like, what do you, Yeah. Th- there's so much that you, you got to do it all. You got to do it yourself because no one's going to do it for you. No one's going to do it for you. And man. I expected people to do things for us early on. And then I realized that if someone did do something, it normally wasn't up to the standard because no one's ever going to work as hard as you will. No one's going to love it as much as you. And if you find someone who will will be the last person in the room, then you have to take care of them and like make them your family because very few people will stick around to be the last person in the room. But you're finding those people now, huh? Oh, dude, I've, I've, found, I've found a couple of those people in town when I was 17, and, I, and they're still some of my closest friends. Yeah, man. And the people who will shoot you straight and tell you you suck when you suck or you're being an asshole when you're being an asshole. You need honesty in your yeah. circle. Yeah. You can't, have, you can't have the yes man. No, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're on. You got it, man. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. That's, that's a thing I've seen with, uh, with Lark and Poe, too. Like, those girls do everything. Everything themselves. It's really, it's insane. They don't I mean, have a label. They don't have. They don't. I mean, they're no label. No. So they they just put out their own music themselves. Yeah, dude, that's great. I've I've been watching like Rebecca <clears throat> for the last couple years. Like that that Peach record, she made most of the record in GarageBand. Like all of the beats she programmed, she was like dragging and dropping samples. GarageBand is the hardest thing ever to make. Like to actually yeah, program it. Why not like use like uh like use like logic or something? Dude, I got her set up with uh, with a Pro Tools like Universal Audio rig. Like, you know, we she got her like the Apollo she and everything. Bought it and and then we like set her up and and she still just uses Garage. She's a GarageBand wizard, but creature of habit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it's you know just I think it's just inspiring to see people who have a vision and make it happen. I wonder yeah. it's I wonder if it's because now you can do it all yourself. Like you, like SoundCloud just started a distribution service. It's like you literally can, you know, you can you can make the record in your house like you guys did. And like you can announce it on socials that you create and build yourself, and you can print your own T-shirts. And yeah, you can respond to the fans. Yeah, and it's like I feel like it's like for hustlers like you and I and Rebecca and Bonamassa yeah. and all of the other heroes. It's like it's really a, a platform now where like people like us can have a stronger voice than ever and own it. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have we have the opportunity, you know, to to put ourselves out there. Yeah, man. You know, it's pretty cool. Man, thanks thanks for being one of the heroes, dude. Hey, back at you, man. Let's do some uh, let's do some jamming sometime. I would love that. I, w- I think we've talked about it, but we've we've done the Nashville thing where we talk about it and just don't do it. I know. Hey, but here text- we are, man. So let's like one of these days just sit down and uh, 
and rock. I would love such. I think a thing. the last time we hung, it was over uh, drum loops. I I was just using one the other day. I remember because like I brought I brought the kicks home, and like I took the kicks out and I put them onto this. Uh, I have like a small. I think we have the same like that controller you take on the road. Yeah. I have that same NPC. Yeah. And that's what I use just at the house. And I remember I put one of the kick samples in, and like it it. We're not filming this, but like it was literally a reaction of like. <gasps> Oh, it like blew your hair back. It was ridiculous. So man. loud. I never really had the ability to like create big sounds like that before. Oh, I love the samples, man. Before I got the the little keyboard controller, it was like miking up tables in hotel rooms because then you can just set a you know set a trigger on it to where it's like, oh, this table is now a kick drum. Yes, dude. In your headphones, and you're like playing drums on furniture. That's beautiful, dude. You're a relentless beast. Hey, you're a relentless music. beast, dude. Yes, man. Thanks for having me over, bro. Y'all heard it. He is rock and roll. In the finest sense of the word, the truest sense. He does what he does. He does it well. He does it relentlessly. And he's going to serve as anyone who listens. Y'all go buy his album, stream his album, experience his album live, and be a fan of Tyler Bryant, Tyler Bryant, The Shakedown, all things TV. Because he will take it with what it is owed. Y'all, the music we've been playing today, were, uh, we started off with Sugary live in... Um, um, Somewhere in Florida from like May 22nd, 1977, Grateful Dead. Uh, Dick's Picks 5, I think. Um, one of my favorite versions. Then we had um, On to the Next, which is the first single from Truth and Lies, uh, Tyler's latest album. And what you all are hearing now, which is what we're taking off the night with, is Mr. Tyler Childers, produced by Sturgill Simpson and David Ferguson, a song called Country Squire. Y'all, stay easy. And I'll talk to y'all next time. This is the Lost Highway.